Hi, everyone. Good morning. It is a real joy to be here with you today. And a big welcome to those joining us online as well. And to my amazing church family in Cambridge, a big welcome and hi. And it is a real joy to be sharing and exploring a question uh, that is very close to my heart. Does God care about our rest? Now, uh, growing up, I was never one to find it difficult to rest. Um, I loved sleeping. I loved chilling out. Uh, my parents would often kind of tongue-in-cheek say, I'll oh, chill out, Annabelle, as I was lounging on the sofa again. Um, and even into my kind of early teaching career, I didn't find it difficult to rest. Um, however, over the last couple of years, I found it really challenging to rest. And I don't know about you, I have had a very busy couple of years, um, and I'd, been, I'd find that I would sort of be waking up in the middle of the night just high on adrenaline, like racing heart. Um, I'd find it very difficult to sleep, um, and to the point where it was, it was getting quite difficult to wind down. And sometimes that was just very, very busy. Um, but other times work was really exciting, and I just find it really hard to switch off mentally. I'm sure many of you will be able to kind of relate to this feeling of just busyness. And so over the last year, I've just been coming to God again and saying, God, will you just teach me how to rest again? Will you bring me to a place of rest? And uh, when I'm talking about rest, I mean kind of rest from work and busyness and activity, but I'm also talking about this sort of internal rest that comes from a, a deep sense of peace and trust, regardless of how sort of hectic and life is. Um, and so, you know, God has been leading me on this just wonderful journey this year of learning how to rest again. And I'm really pleased to say that I am in a much more whole and healthy place. I'm, I'm sleeping well again, generally. You know, there are some days that I have to work a little bit harder to rest, but I'm much more whole, and I feel like what I'm sharing today is coming from a deep place of learning how to rest well again. Now, I'm aware that I may be in a very different season to yours. Maybe you're raising children, maybe you're looking after elderly relatives, maybe you're studying, maybe you're retired, but I do really believe that God has something to say to each of us today about rest, to take us all into a deeper place of rest. And, you know, having tracked through the series so far in Genesis, we've seen a God of goodness who cares so deeply for us. We've seen it in, in creation. He's created this world for our pleasure. You know, and last week we, we heard how we are the pinnacle of creation. And next week we're going to be finding out about how much God cares about meaningful work. He really does care about us about creation, about our work, and he deeply, deeply cares about our rest too. And you know, since March, I've been having asked God to teach me how to rest well again. I've been noting in the back of my journal every scripture I found on rest in the Bible. And you'd be surprised how much God has to say about rest. And today, we're gonna be focusing on this very first mention of rest in the Bible. Many of you will be familiar with it. In Genesis 2, right after God has finished his masterpiece of creation, we read this. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. 
And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So here, right at the very start of creation, God is modeling something important for us. He worked for six days and then he rested on the seventh day. And this is the theme that we're gonna be exploring this morning. Now, John Mark Comer is a pastor in the United States, and he's written an amazing book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you haven't read it yet, put it on your Christmas list. John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It is a wonderful book, and in it he explores this idea of having a day of rest, among many other things. And when he's talking about this day of rest, he uses four words. And I found these four words really helpful in my journey this year of learning how to rest well again. And these four words I'm gonna use, the framework to explore how to rest well again. So the first principle is stop, stop. God worked for six days, but on the seventh day, God stopped his work of creating. And this idea of having a day set apart to stop work was carried through the Old Testament when God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments. Here is one of the Ten Commandments. He said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now notice first that God told the Israelites to work for six days. God really cares about our work, and we're going to be hearing more about that next week. But of equal importance was this command to observe the Sabbath, And this Sabbath here related to a 24-hour period to stop working. Now, one translation of Sabbath is to cease. God ceased all his work, and then he commanded the Israelites to follow this same pattern by stopping their work for one day in a week. And this was clearly important to the heart of God. You know, as important as other commandments, do not murder don't commit adultery, don't worship other gods. And, you know, the way that this rings in our modern ears sounds really strange, doesn't it? How can working on a day off and murder be of equal importance to God? But clearly it was, because it was one of the commandments. And this didn't change when Jesus came. It's clear from the Bible that Jesus himself observed the Sabbath. And Bible scholars are not in dispute about this. Um, In Luke 4, 16, we read, he, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So this was a normal part of Jesus's life, observing the Sabbath. And a little later, I'm gonna share a little bit more about what Jesus himself said about the Sabbath, but for now, If God, right at the start of creation, modeled a day of rest for us, and if we see Jesus modeling this same day of rest, then it's probably worth paying attention to. Now, the key principle here is to stop. 
Have one day in the week where you stop doing any work. Now, for Jews, nowadays, they, their Sabbath is from Friday night through to Saturday night. I know for many people here, you may already observe a Sabbath. For many of you, a Sabbath will be Sunday today. Um, for Chris and I, because you know, Sunday for a work day, um, for, sorry, for Chris is a work day as a pastor, so we have our Sabbath on a Saturday. I don't think it matters when you have your Sabbath. But try to set aside, if you're not already, a 24-hour period of time not to do any work. And this call to stop working is really radical, but it was really important. And another time we come across the Sabbath in the Bible, we see the reasoning given to stop is different. Here we see in Deuteronomy, God says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. God's people had been redeemed from the onslaught of slavery and the onslaught of constant work. And the Sabbath here was their reminder of their freedom. You were never designed to be a slave to your work. Work is good, but it needs to be in its right place. And taking a Sabbath, a 24-hour period to stop working, is a way that we can make sure that work stays healthy and doesn't stray into workaholism. So stop for one day in a week. Now, I'm aware that for some of you, raising family or looking after elderly parents is your work right now. And this is something that you can't just turn off from. And I just want to say, if you're in a season like this, lean in. I really do feel the Father's heart for you. And I really believe he wants to say something to you today. He's for you. He understands your pressures, and he has something he wants to speak to you today. So we have this principle of stopping one day each week. I'd also like to propose to stop thinking about work on a Sabbath. If you're going to think about work on a Sabbath, you might as well be working. And, you know, I know, I know this can be hard if work is particularly stressful or challenging, Chris and I, on a Sabbath, we do not talk about any work-related thing on a Sabbath. Um, I try not to even pray about anything work-related on a Sabbath because it just switches me on too much. Um, Other things I do to help, sometimes my mum has this beautiful um, chest of drawers. It's not a chest of drawers. It's this cabinet with loads of drawers in it in our dining room. And sometimes I like to imagine in my mind, if I'm thinking about things on the Sabbath, almost putting those things into those drawers and shutting the drawers on them for another day. Um, Or sometimes I get a notebook. Um, If something just pops into my head on a Sabbath, I think, ah, I just write it down really quickly and then just hide it away again. Um, We also... Stop doing anything that feels like work on a Sabbath. So we don't plan our calendars on a Sabbath. We don't sort our finances. We don't do any household chores. Um, We do all our shopping on a Friday night. Um, We do all our cleaning on a Friday morning before we go to work so we can just hit the Sabbath and just breathe. 
You know, everyone is going to be different. For most of us, I think stopping is probably a challenge. And I just want to encourage you just to take some time this week in your families, in your households, in your life groups, to just share ideas of how we can stop. So firstly, stop on the Sabbath. And secondly, rest, rest. Another way to translate Sabbath is to rest. In Genesis 2 verse 2, it says, he rested from all his work. God rested. Was it because he was tired? Out of energy? Needed a nap? You know, well, we know it can't be true because in Isaiah 40, 28, it says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. So God is all powerful. He's got unlimited energy. So if he didn't have to rest, but he did it anyway, it naturally follows that he chose to rest. Rest was a conscious choice of the Father. Our rest is a choice. Now, as we know, God doesn't grow weak or weary, but we do. We have to rest. We have to recover our strength, but we also need to choose to rest. Because as you know, there are so many things that can pull us away from rest. And some of this is external, emails, news, social media, constant demands on our time and our energy. You know, we live in an always switched on, a time poor, calendar crowded society. But some of this is internal rest. The pressures, the stresses of life can lead to worry and anxiety that necessitate rest. And when I'm talking about rest here, I'm firstly talking about physical rest. You know, for Chris and I, Sabbath is a day where we can have a lion and enjoy an afternoon nap. And, you know, I know we can do that. It might be more difficult for you in, in the season that you're in at the moment. But what helps you physically rest? Um, another book for your Christmas list, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Has anyone read that book? Yeah, a few of you. It's one of the best books I've read this year. It's not a Christian book, but it's a kind of a scientific book, but very accessible about sleep and the science of it and the importance of it. I'd highly recommend it. Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. So it's physical rest, but it's also mental rest. Chris and I don't check our emails on Sabbath. It's one of the ways we mentally switch off. We also turn our phones off for the duration of Sabbath. Now, we did this for a couple of years, and then it kind of dawned on us, what if there is a genuine emergency that, you know, someone's dying, and we need to know about it, you know, from our close family and friends. So we, our, um, our solution to this was we kept our phones off, but we, we sort of got an old phone, and our friends um, affectionately call it our bat phone. This is our sort of secret phone. Um, that we give the number of that phone to a close number of our family and friends, just in case of an emergency. But our normal phones are just switched off on, on Sabbath. And I know it sounds a little bit extreme, but it's just sort of a defiant way that we say, we are switched off today, we are unavailable. Um, and you know, Chris's work, a lot of that happens on his phone, messages, WhatsApp, so it kind of stops that temptation to kind of pick up the phone, check the messages, check the emails, um, and also stops us from, you know, browsing, which does nothing to fill our tanks. 
So we've got physical rest, we've got mental rest, and then we've also got emotional rest. There are seven accounts in the Bible of Jesus healing on the Sabbath. I think this is significant. The Sabbath day is a time for healing. And often for, for lots of us, it's a need for emotional healing from the, the pressures and the stresses of the week. I can't tell you how many times I've kind of got to the end of the weeks sort of on my knees and then I hit the Sabbath and throughout the Sabbath, I just feel myself just being restored again and refreshed and healed emotionally. And you know, if there are difficult things or conversations that Chris and I need to talk about on a Sabbath, we'll just postpone it and park it for another day. We won't talk about it on Sabbath. Um, I love what John Mark Comer says about this. He says, today the Sabbath is a day to postpone pain, not to suppress it. Today is a day to curate joy. I love that. Have one day in the week, your Sabbath day, to curate joy. Which leads me on to the third principle of delight. Delight. God blessed the Sabbath. He blessed the seventh day. And Jewish thinkers explain that to bless means to sort of increase in joy and peace. The Sabbath is a blessed day. It's a day to increase in joy and peace. So what delights you? What fills your tank? What makes you happy? The Sabbath is the chance to do all of those things that you love, that fill your tank, that make you happy. And you get to do this every week. What a gift. Now, Jesus spoke more into this when he was talking about the Sabbath. So at the time of Jesus, some people had become so caught up in keeping the laws of the Sabbath to the point where, you know, the Pharisees were so angry at Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. And they were really angry at the disciples for picking grains of wheat on the Sabbath. And Jesus spoke into this, and in, in speaking into these accusations of the Pharisees, he said this about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And another translation says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And here, I think, is the most powerful thing that Jesus says about the Sabbath. You know, the Pharisees were so caught up in keeping the laws of the Sabbath that they'd lost the heart of God for his people. And here, Jesus is sort of defiantly presenting the heart of God. Sabbath is a day for healing. Sabbath is a gift. Sabbath is not law anymore, but it's life. And so the question is not so much, do I have to keep the Sabbath, but why would I not keep the Sabbath? It's for our benefit. So fill your Sabbath with things that delight you. What delights you? For Chris and I, it's food. So we have an epic brunch every Saturday without fail. 
We love going out on walks. We love the countryside, so we often go out on a walk. Maybe we have some time to read in the, in the kind of, maybe the evening, it's a good movie with some more food. You know, these are some of the staple things of our Sabbath. What fills your tank that you love doing in whatever season of your life you're in? And you know, if you're in the parenting stage at the moment, I know you can't take a Sabbath from your children, but you can take a Sabbath with your children. I am so grateful for the way my parents modeled Sabbath for us, for Emily and I, my sister, growing up. They did it so brilliantly. What do you and your family love doing together? The Sabbath is the day to do it. I sometimes see the Sabbath as like a mini holiday that I get to have every week. Where I get to do all the things that I love and it just recalibrates me and it refreshes me and it makes me feel whole and healed. Why wouldn't I do that every week? 52 days of delight every year from my heavenly Father. What a gift. So Sabbath is a day to stop, to rest, to delight, and finally, to worship. If there were a Bible pub quiz with a question, what is the first thing in the Bible called holy? Most people would say, God. But no, right at the beginning of Genesis it says, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And I've read these Genesis verses many times, but I've never quite noticed this part. The very first thing in creation designated as holy is a span of time, this seventh day. And here, right at the very foundations of the earth, there is a time set apart from other days, which is holy. And this is something that I've only kind of quite recently come to grasp. For many years I've been Sabbathing and I feel like for many years I've enjoyed the first three principles of stop, rest and delight, but isn't this just a day off? But it's only recently that I've come to grasp that the Sabbath is a holy day and that's the difference between just a day off and the Sabbath. You know, Jesus was often in the synagogue on Sabbath. For many who enjoy Sabbath on a Sunday, Worship is church. What a great way to start a holy day. For Chris and I, because Sabbath is on a Saturday, we like to start our Sabbath with just where we can, just an extended time in the Bible. Or more recently, we've just loved starting our Sabbath with just some unrushed time to worship. And not worship because we have to, just worship because we get to, because we've got a little bit more time. And we found that just starting our Sabbath in this posture of thankfulness. It kind of seeps its way through into the rest of the day. So, you know, when we're enjoying our brunch, our hearts are just overflowing with thankfulness for sausages. <laughs> and when we're out on our country walk, you know, we're like, oh God, thank you for the sheep and the sunshine and the fresh air. And it just does something, starting the Sabbath with an attitude of just thankfulness. And it feels like every Sabbath we've had recently, we've just said multiple times a day, God, you are so good. And not every question has been answered, not every prayer has been answered yet, but you are so good. And we are blessed beyond blessed. You can't go far wrong when you start your Sabbath with worship. So stop, rest, delight, and worship. To bring this into land, 
There's always a reason not to observe the Sabbath. Kids are too young, parents too old, too much to study, work's too busy. You know, I've been teaching for 10 years now and it has only just occurred to me, honestly, this year, that I am never going to get to the end of my to-do list, ever. And if I ever do, then the next day, 10 more items will be on that list. The pressures are real. There is always something to do, which is why right at the heart of Sabbath is trust. Trust in the care of my heavenly Father who never grows weak or weary, that I can lay down my work for one day in the week, no matter how busy it is, no matter how many things I have on my to-do list, I can lay it down for one day and say, God, can you take care of that for me today? Trust that if God modeled a day of rest, and if Jesus said, this day is for my benefit, for my good, then it's something that he really, really cares about. And I've seen over the years, and I'm sure many of you here attribute having a 24-hour period of rest to be one of the most important practices in your Christian faith. For me, it is, I, honestly, I honestly don't know how I would function without Sabbath. It is the day that I look forward to the most. It's the day that just recalibrates me and resets me and refreshes me. It's the day where I just find healing. And it's the day that helps me feel ready for the other six days of the week. Um, you know, I've heard it said recently, the Sabbath is to our time what tithing is to our finances. Just as tithing sanctifies and blesses the remaining 90% of our money, so long as we're managing it well, having a Sabbath seems to do something similar to our time, to the point where when we do it well and consistently, we end up being more fruitful in six blessed days than in seven days without stopping. Sabbath brings rest and joy and life. And this rest that we enjoy on a Sabbath is just a foretaste of our eternal rest. When one day creation is gonna be restored and renewed, where every mark of sin is gonna be ended and the world is gonna be made perfect again. And you know, this rest is built on the foundation of God's love for us. It's shown in creation. It's shown at the cross. When Jesus made a way for us to enter into spiritual rest, to enjoy connection and peace. So Jesus is here with us today. And he's here to lead us into a deeper experience of rest. So wherever we are, we're gonna respond now.